Hi there. This podcast is recorded in a house with animals that includes uh, dogs, cats, and a teenager. And while teenagers aren't exactly animals, technically noises happen, and so you should be aware of that. Also, I should mention that on this podcast, we swear. Sometimes we swear a lot. And so this podcast should be considered PG-13. We won't get into anything naughty, but there is a chance that we're going to use some strong language. And since the podcast uh, aggregators and things only have two settings, clean and explicit, I have to flag it as explicit. Really sorry about that, but better safe than sorry, right? Welcome to productivity episode 60. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 64. This week, Ursula is sick, and Ursula's mostly sick because Jacob brought a thing home from school. He was home from school sick yesterday. Uh, I seem to be either avoiding it or have a robust immune system that's keeping things at bay for now, and come Saturday or whatever, I'm going to be a quivering wreck. These things happen. We have medicines to help get us through, and so that's what we're going to do as as needed. The big news this week, though, is that I lost my job on Friday. So that's been a little bit of an adjustment. It's not the first time this has happened, and we're not in financial dire straits. I want to go ahead and put those uh, like right there up front, because that's always sort of the first concern you have. Also, there's a thunderstorm outside. The, the first concern you think of when people are unemployed is, oh, no, there's, you know, they're going to be broke. Everything's got to tamp down, and that's not necessarily the case. I have enough of a cushion to go for quite a while if the job hunt is extend, you know, extended for any long period of time. It takes me, on average, three months to find something new, and that average is, you know, between the ones where... I lost my job on one day and then two weeks later had something new and the I lost my job before Christmas one year and didn't really get something permanent and full-time until almost August. But it averages out to about three months in between in between things. So there's no panic and I don't have to take like the first thing that's offered to me. The big pain and there are two big pains. The first big pain is that I now have to go through the mess of finding new insurance. Because as with so many of us, my health insurance for myself, for my family, is tied to my employment. And that just makes it so easy to get health insurance. So now I'm looking at the marketplace. I'm looking at all the competitive plans. I'm trying to figure out what is equivalent coverage to handle myself and Ursula and uh, Jacob and all those different things and not basically bankrupt us in the three months that, you know, I've got built in for this sort of thing. It's really tough in the States because even at its lowest possible insurance, it's not cheap. And even if we go with like the lowest plan that only covers hospitalization, right, then we still have to pay for our medicines. We have to pay out of pocket for, for other things like, you know, just routine doctor visits or uh, prescription updates, all, all that stuff. And we won't even, and that doesn't even start to touch on vision and dental. And it's absolutely insane. I could spend an hour ranting about just how horrible the quote unquote best healthcare system in the world really is when it's not tied to your job and when potentially you don't have money coming in. It's just horrific. And the stories of people going bankrupt because they had an extended hospital stay or because one of them got a treatable uh, disease that is still very expensive to treat. And uh, I'm looking at you, Big C. You know what I'm talking about. These are the sorts of things I live in fear of when it comes to my health. Yes, I've had 
extensive work done on my uh, my jaws to be able to keep my teeth. Yes, I have a couple chronic conditions that thankfully before the ACA would mean that I have to buy insurance right this very second because of the uh, pre-existing conditions gap, which I fell into back in, I want to say that was 97. Um, no, 2007. It was 2007. I fell into the, I, I had mistimed some things and missed the cutoff day for the health insurance to cover my pre-existing conditions by 24 hours. Right. And I didn't realize there was a clause in there for that. I, I do now, and I'm very careful about reading it, but that meant that there were six months where the insurance was like, no, that that's a pre-existing condition and we're not paying for it when it came to things like the routine medicines I was taking. That's horrible. It's terrible, actually, because uh, as I've said before, for-profit health insurance companies only make money if they don't pay out. So... Yeah, I like I said, I could spend hours just screaming about this. So the big thing is I spent yesterday crawling. Was it yesterday? Day before yesterday, Monday. Crawling across all the different websites and plans and trying to figure out which one would work. And it's terrible. Even healthcare.gov, which is designed to quickly find you plans available for you in your area. And maybe it's because we're in North Carolina and there are only two companies that have marketplace plans, but the UI was, the UI was slick. I, I will not say that, but it kept forgetting who I was and forgetting the data I had entered before. And if I switched from looking to say, Hey, are my drugs covered to the, Hey, what providers are available? What plans are available from providers? It, I'd have to go fill out the same questionnaire over and over again. It was kind of frustrating. So I'm, I'm navigating that probably have something nailed down next week because uh, it takes a little time to figure these out. And then I got to, you know, fill out all the paperwork and see if they'll accept me on the plan or accept us on the plan and all that sort of stuff. It's uh, it's a Royal pain. So that's the first thing. The second thing is maintaining a routine. And I think this one's important because it's really easy when you're unemployed to decide that, well, I guess that means I don't have to get up. I don't have to, um, you know, go to an office, your schedule can become very unmoored. Now I work from home that makes maintaining the routine much easier in that. I still have to get up at the same time every day that I did when I was working. I still have to get Jacob to school at the same time every day that I did when I was working. And by the time I've gotten up and I've gotten him to the school and I'm back here and I've sat with chickens a little bit, I might as well stay up. Why should I go back to bed? Uh, the exception was yesterday when Jacob was like death warmed over and he's like, I don't think I can go to school. And I'm like, I don't think you can go to school. And then I just went back to bed and, and slept and slept and slept because I need to catch up on my sleep too. That's, that's the hard part, right? If Jacob were out of school, if I uh, were still on the old plan where he'd spend a week with his mom and then he'd spend a week here. It would be so very easy for me to fall into that. Well, I, I don't have to be anywhere so I can sleep until nine or 10 and then, you know, do what needs to be done. And I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to maintain the same, at least basic routine. What time I get up, what time I go to bed, uh, what time I eat. That's an important one. Uh, through this particular period, and we'll see how it goes. There's time to learn new things, and there's time to make sure. And Ursula has a list of things that she really wants me to take care of while I have the time. And I, so I've been doing some of that too. I think it's been really great uh, the last three days. It's not exactly a vacation, it's much more of a an adjustment period. Next week, I'm going to start the serious job hunting, but it's not, it's not the, with the urgency of if I don't get money coming in right away, we're gonna sink. It's much more of a, can I find a position that suits me and where I can do a lot of good for a company? And so we'll see. It's an interesting time. 
So thinking of interesting times, I'm going to hit pause real quick and I'm going to bring down the teenage test subject because he is due to update on how he is doing organizationally. And I think it may be time to start adding in some here are things you should try. So we'll get to that in just a second. So uh, Jacob has come downstairs and Lacey is immediately latched onto him like, hey, let's put my head in your lap and pet me. I'm here. Play attention. Pay attention. Of course. And and here comes a small orange cat as well. I, I warned you that there were animals, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you've been in school for about a month now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's flown by for me. Okay. How is the planner working out? Planner's working great. Okay. Especially with some of my classes where they uh, write write down all of the um, homework, like like lay out a unit mm-hmm. so I can write it all down, like as I get the sheet, right, and make changes if they change due dates mm-hmm. or yeah. Okay, cool. Especially for environmental science. Yeah, environmental science is your big one. Right? Yeah, that's my AP. That's your AP class year. this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, so the next step is to start looking at maybe some of the digital assistants. And mm-hmm. your school has one of the Google education accounts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So have you tried – I mean, we've used Google Keep, like, to synchronize. You're making a face because of the dog, aren't you? Yes. Um, the, you, you, we've used Google Keep for the grocery list, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have you looked at the, the tasks function or anything like that? Uh, no, I've not. Okay, so one of the things you can do is you can actually set up reminders mm-hmm. with the with Google Task or with Google Keep. And so for some of the things like, man, you know as well as I do, we have to order your lunches every week. Of course, yeah, and yeah. We, we forget every other. We week. forget every other week, right? Which, which kind of sucks. Because... Which, yeah. So what I was going to say is, why don't you try starting to put in some reminders, mm-hmm. like. You know, hey, remind dad we need to order lunches on, like, Thursday. On Thursday or on Wednesday. Thursday or Wednesday, yeah. And uh, reminders to yourself, like, uh, I have a page paper due in two days or yeah. wh- whatever it is. Stuff like that, so that you're getting little pop-ups. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I want you to try for, for a little bit for the next one. Okay. I'm glad the planner's working out. Oh, if yeah. you are running low on paper, I have paper. God, do I have paper? Well, I mean, for math, I'm running out of graph paper, so I mean. Oh, that that I have graph paper. Oh, well, there you every go. every time you buy one of the just even if it's like just the base cover, like it includes paper. I'm like, I I want the planner with with dates on it. It's like, great, here's the calendar pages, and oh, by the way, here's a hundred sheets of paper. And I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it, look here. Let me let me show you. I took one of the two inch uh, two inch disc sets here, mm-hmm. and this is nothing but. Blank paper. Here we go. Sorry, I wasn't in front of the mic. But this, this, look how big this is. This is, oh, this is like nothing but blank paper. You need graph paper. I got graph paper. Well, I mean, I'm gonna need graph paper like bigger than that. But... Oh, okay. You need like eight and a half by eleven sheets. Like the yeah, the standard Sta- paper size. Paper yeah. size. Yeah, letter paper size. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can get that. That's easy. Mm-hmm. But if you need more pages just for note taking, mm-hmm. just come and get them. Usually, I just put down the due dates and then write any notes I need to know, yeah. write down and like. The little sections in my binder. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Because I've got. But seriously, I mean, I've got. Yeah, I got paper. You got, you got paper. This is crazy. So, all right. Thanks for the check-in, mm-hmm. and we will check back probably next week. All right. Okay. And for the people who are listening at home, uh, I am excited to say that the author Malka Older is our interview this week. I love Malka's books. I was, yeah, I know, right? Mm-hmm. She, the the first book I read by her was Inframocracy, and then I had a chance to meet her at a signing a couple weeks ago, and it was great. Um, her latest book is, um, can you look at it? No, it's <laughs> State uh, no, Tectonics <laughs> is the name of her new book. And But we're going to talk about how she stays organized because not only is she a writer, but she's also uh, worked with UN relief agencies and with uh, and, and is working on her uh, doctorate. So she's got a lot going on, and I'm really excited to find out how she stays organized. And we'll be back with that in just a minute.
Hi, folks. I am here with Malka Older, author of the. Uh, now, how do you say this? Is it Sentinel trilogy? Yeah, that yeah. works. Okay. All right. I, I I keep wanting to say Centennial trilogy, but that isn't right. <laughs> um, so the first book is Infomocracy. The second book is Null States, and the third book that just came out is oh my god i just said this like five minutes ago um i'll remember i i the thing is that the spine is turned away from me um state tectonics yes yes state tectonics (laughs) twice on this show yes twice on this show it's just i've gotten there and i'm like why can't i remember the name of it um so it's a great trilogy guys i really enjoyed reading it it takes some really interesting concepts about how democracy works and and societies and micro democracies and weaves a beautiful story around it so uh that's that's my review you don't have to take my word for it but give it a try and malka other than that can you maybe do a better introduction and tell us a little bit about what you do (laughs) yes so i'm um i'm an author of the sentinel cycle trilogy and also I write um, short fiction. I'm doing a lot of writing for Serial Box right now. So I'm writing on um, the serial Born to the Blade. And I also created and lead wrote on a Ninth Step Station, which comes out in January. Ooh. And also another one I can't talk about yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I write some poetry, some essays. I'm also a PhD candidate. Uh, so I'm like really writing my dissertation now, kind of uh, painfully. Um Mostly revising it right now, but it's really painful. Uh, and I do some. Um, I also do some consulting. I used to work. My last full time job was in the NGO, international NGO sector. Um, so I still do some consulting in that, mainly around disaster risk reduction, uh, sometimes economic development or disaster response stuff. So that's what I do. Yeah, and and it was fascinating to hear you talk about that aspect of your career when you were at the signing in Chapel Hill, because that's something I I hadn't I knew you did, but I hadn't actually heard you talk about. And there's there's some amazing stuff and some scary stuff in in that line of work. So yeah, it was you know I I mean I'm one of those people who who came out of college and wanted to be a writer, you know, and I was like fully sending off manuscripts. Uh, by paper mail, okay, way back mm-hmm. when, um, and, <laughs> which was particularly complicated because I, I lived in Japan at the time. Um, so it was a miserable process. And, you know, I mean, that's what I wanted to happen. But I'm actually, at this point, really kind of happy that I had that other professional life um, before becoming a published writer and kind of continuing into it because it was, an, you know, it was just an amazing range of experiences and interactions and people. And, you know, certainly I couldn't have written Infomocracy without having had that experience of living in a lot of different places and working on those kinds of things. Right. Uh, and it, it, it shows with all the local color that goes into each sort of area that uh, the characters travel to and from. So, all right. Yeah. The, the big question, or at least the first big question, how do you keep yourself organized? <laughs> um, this That's a really good question that I think I might have to challenge the premise of is, do I actually keep myself organized? <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, uh, I think I have sort of different, slightly different tactics for different areas of my life. Like I do... In terms of my writing, I like to work on a lot of different projects at once. So I, you know, I typically have like 20 windows open in Word um, (laughs) and, you know, maybe a Scrivener and not to mention a million tabs on my browser of things that I want to read someday and really am not going to. Uh, I just lost a browser tab history like uh, two days ago and. Oh. It was like both sad, but also very freeing. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, so, now, do you do the thing where you, something just isn't cooking? And so you're like, all right, I'm going to put it in a folder and ignore it and come back to it in six months, a year, 10 years, like Ursula does. I I mean, I'll often kind of leave things up in case I want them. And then at some point I'll <laughs> like close the window, but you know, I know where it is. I have a single folder that I keep, um, most of my writing projects in the same folder. I've started yeah. to differentiate slightly. Like if something is on commission, you know, if there's an mm-hmm. anthology that comes to me, 
that goes right into a separate folder just for that anthology, which right. does. Okay. So I do organize a little bit, <laughs> yes. um, which helps keep things straight. Like, you know, when I have to do paperwork for that and it's all in one place um, mm-hmm. and drafts and, and things, but stuff I'm writing on my own account is all in one place. I do have a separate folder for poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I did that actually, but um, <laughs> uh, so, but I, you know, I typically have like the sort of top tier of things that I want to be working on just open all the time, yes. which is, yeah. I guess. Uh, and I have, I sometimes depending on what I'm doing, I, I find that I work a little bit differently, whether I'm working on like a novel that's on contract or stuff that I'm kind of still fiddling with just on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, right now that I don't have a novel under contract, I I'm actually doing word counts again. So I have Ooh. an Excel sheet, uh, that I just do very simple word counting. Um, and I have like, Three. I have. I have. Wait. I can actually look. I have like uh, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. So technically, I have eight active columns, but there are really only th- four of them that I'm working in. <laughs> really, right. over the past ten, months, five months, um, and the others are definitely back burner. Uh, so, so yeah, that's. I'm. I'm not very organized. Uh, <laughs> But that that's just the writing side of things. That's just the writing side of things. I'm not much more organized on other things, but I try. I use Google Calendar a fair amount now because um, it's nice to get notifications when you're about to miss something. Yeah. I or just have well. a single place where you can look to make sure you're not about to miss something. Um, you know, I, I try to file things. I've <laughs> <laughs> As I said, I, I, do have, um, I do have a big folder for publications. And right. so anything that seems like, you know, as soon as it looks like it's going for publication or it's commissioned or, you know, whatever that is, I open a folder for that because I know that means in addition to the writing itself, paperwork of various kinds, you know, whether you have to send an invoice or a W9 or blah, blah. Um, so contracts, that I, all that mess contracts and all that mess. So each, um, publishing job gets a different folder and that, that, that is helpful. Mm-hmm. Cool. And now, um, are you doing anything to help manage the, if you'll pardon the phrasing on this one, the home front? So (laughs) (laughs) again, like not very much. I'm, I feel really lucky that I I have so much flexibility in my, in all my jobs really that I can, um, you know, drop things when I need to and, and spend time, um, with my family. Mm -hmm. There is one thing that I found, uh, really, really useful and important, which is that I have one day a week that I make for my family and I do not work on that day. And I've just found that so useful to have one day when I do not beat myself up (laughs) for not doing one or the other. Like usually whichever one you're doing, you're beating yourself up for not doing the other. So I find it really helpful to have one day when I cannot beat myself up for not working. Right. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's something I would highly recommend to everyone. Oh yeah. So, uh, on top of all that, what systems and or habits around that are, are valuable? Um, you can say I have none. It's cool. Um, yeah, I, I have some, so the, that, um, having one day off, I think mm-hmm. is, is really valuable, uh, in terms of the writing, uh, and this is partly to do with the way I write, you know, I'm very much a pantser. I write, um, not, chronologically so whether i'm writing a novel or or even even often i mean if a short story is like in my head totally finished i'll just write the whole thing but that doesn't happen that often usually i sort of write pieces as i'm developing characters or settings Mm -hmm. and um and then i pull them together and so what the sort of habit that i've done for this you know especially for novels when you know this is a marathon you know you've got a long way to go there's a lot of stuff in there oh yeah um and with world building, you know, often it's it's the details that are important that don't necessarily connect into the plot, um, but you but they you know they add so much depth to the world. So I tend to have um, a separate document for notes mm-hmm. that I can throw things in that really don't you know even I'll I'll put in the main document I'll put even stuff that I don't know where it goes if you know, I have some sense like it's early or late and, and I'll write a chunk. But if I have, you know, a, a random idea for what should happen in the world, or, you know, if we take the Sentinel cycle as an example, where there are like 2000 governments in the world, and some of them are like really small and funny, right. um, you know, I would write down ideas for, for a government. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or something that I think the character would do, but I don't really know exactly what the specifics are going to look like. And so I just keep that, that notes file, um, on one side and throw things in there, write, you know, chunks of whatever I can figure out in the main Mm -hmm. file. And, you know, going back, back and forth between those two, um, you know, on the one hand, one thing that, that I find really useful is, is, you know, having some stuff primed up to write. So if I have, you know, some of those notes are prompts. Right. And, you know, then when you, you get stuck and you're not sure what comes next, you take one of those prompts and you elaborate it, you fill out on it. And that gives you, you know, something to work on. Um, and also, you know, towards the end to kind of go through and say, okay, what haven't I covered? Is there a place where this fits in? Does it no longer work? Um, so having that, that those, two, those two files I find really helpful. That's, uh, yeah, that's cool. Now, do you do the thing, and this is off, off the main question list, but as, as, as Ursula's alpha reader, mm-hmm. um, I occasionally get manuscripts, I frequently get manuscripts, who am I kidding, that have, here's a chunk and then just a, a gap and a line that says, and stuff happens here, and then, <laughs> like, something that's starting three chapters later. So I actually, I, I try not to do that. What I do, <laughs> what, I, what I found that works really well for me um, is, so I, I'll do this, this achronological thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. usually there's the beginning of the book starts to take form earlier on. And maybe there are chunks later on. But, you know, usually right. it's usually the first chapter, you, I have some idea where it starts and that starts to, to. And so when I get to a point when I feel like I know the character and the setting and the sort of shape of the plot, at least the beginning of the shape of the plot well enough, I start to try to keep pushing things onto that, that little chronological plank right? <laughs> just to keep that out of the abyss, so to speak. Um, as I'm also doing things achronologically further on. Mm-hmm. And so what I tend to do when I get to that point where I start to feel like I'm building up a critical mass of chapters that are more or less, you know, done in a very early draft form is I send them to my mom. Um, oh, okay. Who, who loves to read my stuff, but she doesn't like to read um, a lot at a time. She likes mm-hmm. small bites and she kind of reads, she's, uh, uh, she, English is her second language um, right. and she's, she's fluent. She's really fluent. And I think because it's her second language, she's really on top of grammar stuff. So she will often <laughs> find typos and find grammar stuff Um and, you know, and I tell him, I'm like, you know, this is going to go through a copy editor and a proofreader and who knows how many ran- rounds of professional editing. And she's like, yeah, she can't help herself. And that's fine. For me, it's really great to have someone just read the chapters at the pace that she reads them mm-hmm. and have, you know, tiny criticism that I don't have to worry about. <laughs> and it's really about like getting myself to start pushing things into um, an actual you know, the, the chronology of the novel. Right. Uh, so, so that's some, it's just, a, it's a really good pacing thing for me. Awesome. Uh, and, uh, I was going to say, whoops, huh, just banged into my windscreen. So hopefully that didn't make a loud noise. Um, I, uh, I'm sure your, your mom also doesn't have you hovering over her going, why did you sigh? Why did you laugh? What made you chuckle? <laughs> Yeah, um, no, that that's also useful is that she does it at, at a distance. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've um, threatened to lock myself in the car to read manuscripts before. Yeah, so, on the occasions yeah. when we're in the same place, mm-hmm. definitely like hearing a laugh is an immediate. What what did you laugh about? What, right. What was funny? Tell tell me now. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think you already covered this. Um, how do you decide what to do first on a given day? Um. So as I said, I like to have a lot of projects open. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, the decision is made for you by the extremely urgent pending deadline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on the days when it's not, uh, I you know, it kind of depends on on how I feel and 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 also how much time I have. You know, I think there's some jobs that really lend themselves to to short bursts of time, and some jobs where you you know you can dig in. Which are honestly, it's the jobs that you know, and the times when you know you can dig in that are the hardest to dig in and actually start right. But you know, a, a lot of times, if I have one of those prompts, if I have something that I've been thinking about and queued up, that makes it really easy to dive in and start. Right, right. Um, and usually, there's something like that for one of the projects that I've got going on. That's why I like to work with multiple projects, is that it really reduces the. Um, the, the time spent staring at the screen because if you don't have something on one, you probably have something to do on another. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and I'm I'm reasonably sure Ursula works the same way, although she usually warms up by arguing on Twitter. 
before. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I often, you know, it's the check your email, look mm-hmm. at Twitter, um, figure out how to warm up. I'm not a morning person. Mm. So there's always going to be like a certain degree of warm up. Um, and it's amazing how fast the day goes by like that. So, you know, there's really, um, I, I tend to work in my house. Uh, there are times when I try to get out of my house and really say, you know, okay, I have this chunk of time and I need to do the work. Right. And and everyone, I think, has their favorite uh, uh, coffee shop or library or someplace like that where they're like, okay, I need to do this, but I can't be at home when I do it. So off I go. Yeah, those places are good to have. Yeah. I mean, I have I actually have an office where I can close my door since I work from home. But mine's a little different um, in that, you know, I actually take meetings and it's not uh, it's it's not as easy to get distracted and off track, I guess, for for what I do. I could be wrong. I've had I've, 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 I've had days where I'm staring at a piece of code and going, you know, that laundry really needs doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's that different. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Here's here's arguably this is possibly one of the toughest questions. I didn't think it was a tough question when I wrote it. I thought the last question would be the tough one, but apparently, um, what is the best advice or feedback you've been given? So here's my problem. Anytime I have a a question that's about a superlative, like what is mm-hmm. the best? What is your favorite? I, I immediately cannot answer that. So I'm just going <laughs> to give you one sort of example of this, which I'm not sure if it's either it's mm-hmm. exactly advice or feedback, but um, when Infomocracy, so that was my first, you know, published novel. And right. so it was my first experience with professional editing and my editor uh, in his editorial letter started it out basically saying, you know, <laughs> like, okay, so b- before you dive into the edits, I just want to remind you that I love your novel. I would not have bought it if I didn't love it. And also, I could not have written it, obviously, because I didn't, and I'm an editor. And so, you know, we're, we're working together to make it better. Yeah. Um, and I, and it, was, <laughs> it was so helpful, especially coming in. Like, I was, you know, I was so excited to be, um, published and going through the process. And right. I was, I was not resentful of the idea of being edited at all. I was really excited to like, to, um, to do that. But I was, even so, you know, it always hurts still <laughs> to go through revisions. Like it hurts. It's really hard. Um, and, uh, so that was really helpful. I almost wish he'd written exactly the same thing on the second and third, even though I was supposedly <laughs> new it at that point. Like, so I, I, you know, I think that that was a really helpful thing. And I try to, um, to bring it back up whenever I'm going through an editing process, just to remind myself that, you know, if they didn't believe in this and it, it helps a lot too, with the jitters, um, going forward to, to remind yourself that you are not the person who decided to go ahead and publish this book. Somebody else made that decision and is risking their money on it. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if that exactly counts as feedback or advice, but it is something that I've, I found really helpful. That's actually, that one's awesome. Uh, it, it really kind of puts in the, the, that it's, it's a team effort and it's not an antagonistic relationship. I mean, there are people who have antagonistic relationship with their editors and that's what works for them. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's, I mean, I, yeah, it was, it was really helpful. And I feel really lucky that I was able to, to go through, especially the first, Mm -hmm. the first time of a process like that. Um, and, and really have a great experience, not just with the editor, but also like copy edits Mm -hmm. and, um, everything all the way all the way down. So, but you know, I really, I mean, I think about being edited, like it's, it's like you make it to the show. It's like you're in the majors and you have a major, major league coach. Right. Why would anyone not, why would anyone be like, no, I'm, you know, I'm nuke. I don't need a coach. I'm genius <laughs> talent all on my own. Uh, no, it's, it's really, it's a great thing when you can edit. And uh, I just went through a, a brutal editing process, mm-hmm. um, four drafts of an episode and it made it so much better and right? I'm so yeah. happy. And it was really, it was really hard, but you know, I, um, making the effort not just to do it, but also to be really uh, polite and, and teamwork worthy with everyone mm-hmm. made the whole thing so much better. And I'm, and I'm so happy that, that we went through it, even though like, you know, getting it back the fourth time I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Will this never end? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it has to end because you've got a deadline somewhere in there. 
<laughs> somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's part of now at this stage, one of the worst things about getting edited like that is where you're like, I had counted on being done with this. <laughs> right Now I have to assign more time to when I thought I could work on something else. Yeah. But no, yeah. it's, it's worth it to have a product that you're happy with. Yeah. All right. So two questions left. Do you want what is possibly <laughs> the happy question first or the possibly the sad question first? You can, I, I actually think my answers are kind of similar, so either way. <laughs> All right, so the, the traditional order, do you celebrate your success, and if so, how? So I was thinking about this one, and, and I actually think what's kind of interesting on it is like how much is completion and success are separated in the publishing world. Oh, yeah. So like, <laughs> I, so I had a book event last night, which... I guess, I mean, it kind of feels like success, but I finished the book like a year ago, almost, right. I guess. Um, like, let alone, I mean, I think I finished the, all the edits at least like nine months ago, and let alone actually finishing the writing of the book. Um, and so there's, it's a very different feeling. Like when you finish the book, and mm. first of all, when you finish the book, I mean, that's a great feeling. And then when the editor and the all the editing is done, and they're like, okay, we're done, that's usually kind of an exhausted feeling. And then when it actually comes out, um, there's a lot of excitement, but it, it does feel really separated to me from the kind of success part or the like, I did something part, I, which is weird, right? I don't well, know. Ursula describes it as, as she's going out and everybody's excited about this thing she finished ages ago. Yes. Because it, it takes um, so long to go from she's done with the edits and it's it's done to it actually showing up on shelves. And wow. and I was talking about to my brother about this yeah. too, and about the you know the the flip side of that is that while you're doing this promotion tour for the book that you finished a year ago, I can barely remember at that point. You're super excited about something else that you're working on that you probably can't tell anyone about. I I think it was um, Scalzi was touring for um, I think the last Old Man's War book. No, it wasn't. It was Lock In. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was touring for Lock-In, uh, but what he read wasn't from Lock-In, it was part of The Dispatcher, <laughs> because that was the thing he was excited about and working on and, and was his next thing, mm -hmm. but he was ostensibly there for Lock-In. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really tricky one, honestly. Right. Yeah. Like your brain is, is definitely in the next place. I mean, people have been asking me on this, you know, are you sad that the trilogy is over? And I kind of am, but I kind of was like, a year ago. <laughs> now I'm like, I've got other stuff going on. Um, so, so, okay. So that, with that said, and that sort of weird, um, time thing, time lag thing going on, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I, when something cool happens, I tell the people in my life about it with a lot of excitement, and that feels really great. Uh -huh. I typically don't do something really special. I mean, sometimes I guess I give myself a night off, but that's not even, I mean, my work and, and time off time <laughs> are so integrated that it doesn't even um, really feel like that much. So, yeah, no, yeah. not really. Um I, and you're not alone in that. I've I've talked to several people in all kinds of industries who are just like, yeah, I need to be better about that. You know, yeah. when I hit a milestone, I I need to I need to remember that this is a big deal and celebrate it, not just be like, okay, great, next. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I I mean, I feel happy. You know, uh -huh. when I finish the book or when I finish a story that I'm happy with or when it gets accepted. You know, I'm really uh -huh. I'm excited about it, but. I, there's, I don't have any kind of feeling like, oh, I should go out for a fancy dinner because I, I don't know. Like it, yeah. it is, it is what it is. It's so exciting to have it happen that telling people, you know, telling the people that I'm close to telling the people I love about like, look, this amazing thing just happened and sharing that excitement is, is, is pretty much the best I can do with that. I think. That's yeah, hey, that's that's great actually. That's also much less expensive than um Yes. <laughs> yeah. With the the time Ursula signed a big deal, I think it was like a three book deal on one of the children's book series, and we went to the Brazilian steakhouse and then we're asking questions like why is alcohol and weed so difficult to get and or illegal and yet I can just go load up on meat. <laughs> you know <clears throat> yes chicken hearts off of a sword oh my god the chicken hearts the chicken livers <laughs> um and the pineapple oh god the pineapple sorry sorry no. i mean i mean i go do those things i just don't necessarily coordinate it with a success particularly gotcha. i think that's the other thing too like i don't particularly 
um, restrain myself from mm-hmm. other stuff. So there's that too. Yeah, and for us, it's also there's a it's like an hour to the Brazilian steakhouse. Ah, yeah, so, that yeah. would definitely make it a, <laughs> yeah. a thing. You know, so there's there's some geographic there too. So it's like yes, we have to make a special trip thing. Yeah. All right. The flip side of the coin, um, because I am a big fan of Howard Taylor and Schlock Mercenary, which if you haven't read, um, I'll we'll talk offline and I'll I'll give you some starting points recommended by Howard. Um, okay. But he has a thing: um, the ma- seven ma- seventy maxims of maximally effective mercenaries. <laughs> and maxim seventy is literally failure is not an option; it is mandatory. <laughs> it's what you do after that matters i'm paraphrasing a little bit there yeah so how do you deal with like failure or missing a goal um i so i'm you know i'm thinking about what this means um and so there are a couple of different ways that that, that this happens right like one thing is you you submit and you get rejected right and that is like so so normal in a writer's life. I mean, it still hurts definitely, mm-hmm. but it's also so normal that you really can't take that much time off over it. Um, so, you know, it's like a moment of, Oh, you open the email. I have a file of submissions that I put all the emails in. So I don't have to freaking look at them after I open right. it. Um, but you know, also don't lose track and forget that I submitted that story to that place. Uh, so, you know, that I, I honestly, I mean, yeah, you just either, depending, I mean, either you resubmit it immediately or like, oh, okay, maybe I should go back and take another look and, and redraft this or whatever. But, you know, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's it's not really big. The other thing that I've been hitting against a lot lately, as I think I mentioned, my dissertation. Yes. Um, and I've been missing a lot of deadlines on that, um, which is, I mean, it's kind of an interesting, um, it's this interesting position I'm in where officially, you know, I'm officially a full-time student like that's kind of what i'm supposed to be doing but also i i don't get paid for that and i do get paid for all the other writing i do right right you know if i'm lucky uh so i so it, it is like this weird thing and I, I i feel pretty miserable about it when i miss a deadline mm-hmm. um and then i eventually back myself up against the wall and do the thing and send it off and get some more feedback and rinse and repeat um yeah, but I mean that—that that at least you know is a finite process, and <laughs> you know, probably know. you know. Um, but uh, hopefully, um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have a certain amount of concern that it might not be. But yeah, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully at some point, I think you know. I think the end game here is my advisor gets so sick of me that he's mm-hmm. one way or the other. He's like either okay, let's just defend this thing or bye. Right. Um. <laughs> uh, but. You know, it's it's sort of a thing that I've invested a lot of time in already. And so, damn it, I'm going to finish it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, I think and that's, you know, in a, in a sense, that's well, I mean, definitely that's failure on a small scale and that it's something that I can take another run at. And, you know, it's it's they're they're stepping stones in the process. Um, but, you know, I think uh, I mean, I think of other things like I've applied for fellowships and, and gotten rejected and so on. And. You know, it's just something that at this point I feel like I have a lot of, of experience with and it doesn't feel good. But what are you going to do? I mean, you either submit somewhere else or you say, OK, that idea didn't work out. I mean, that's the other great thing about having a lot of things going on at once is that when one thing doesn't come through, you have another thing you can turn to look at and say, OK, this one's going to be really cool. Yeah. Or um, I think there was one manuscript that Ursula sent me and I was like, this is this is no, this is <laughs> this is it is i think it is one of the, the only ones i've ever gone this is not uh, i i would not send this out i understand why your agent was very reluctant about it and she backburnered it for a decade mm. you know mm. came back to it poked at it some more made some tweaks and i reread it and there was more content in it as well but i reread it and i'm like okay this is much better than the last one i read and she's like you know i didn't make that many changes and i'm like but they they added up right so, and sometimes that's all it just is, is takes time. Come at it with fresh eyes, right? Yeah. And I do have, like, I have one thing right now that's kind of stalled out and I don't know, like I'm probably either going to need to change the setting or go back to the place where it's set and spend some time there. It's <laughs> kind of unlikely, but could happen and, or do something else with it. And, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I've got lots of other things I'm working on, so 
not really worried about it. Yeah, no, and that's that again, you're right. That's the nice thing about having lots of projects. If one thing isn't working, backburner it for a little while. Yeah. Unless it's the thing that you need to be getting paid for at which point. Yeah, I mean once it's <laughs> under a contract and yeah, that's why I mean <laughs> contracts it's it's definitely a different kind of of writing, I feel like, when I'm under contract. Yeah, I I think um Oh, Ursula's working on her next self-pub novel right now, but she has a, a very clear deadline on when she wants to, to go out, and she got permission from one of the houses she's been working with that said, we don't want that, and so yes, go ahead and self-publish it. So she's gone from poking to the that mad rush to get it done in a, a, a certain amount of time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. But yeah, um, that's I think that's just the writer's life. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, that's all the questions. Well, thank you. That yeah. was really um, illuminating for me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and um, all right. So where can we find State Tectonics? Like, uh, I don't already know, but... <laughs> anywhere fine books are sold. <laughs> I know you got a copy at Flyleaf and Chapel, but we'll just give them a shout out because they were great. Um, and they're an independent bookstore. So independent bookstores, obviously, it's on the, the big stuff like Amazon and... By the way, I should note that Infomocracy is on an ebook sale on Amazon Ooh. and therefore on all the other platforms um, for September. So, so last week, grab it. It's two ninety nine. Oh, that's that is a bargain. Yeah, that is right? yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sort of bargain that almost makes the writer cry when they think about how much time they spend on it. But no, people should grab it because yeah, I, I grab yeah. cheap ebooks whenever I can. Oh. Um, and uh, so. Um, and that's, you know, eBooks that can be Amazon, that can be uh, nook, that can be whatever you do for eBooks. Yeah. Um, but state tectonics is, is I believe everywhere. If it is not somewhere where it should be, please tell them to order it. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can also find me on cereal box, as I mentioned. Yes. I, I, I am adding that. I, I will be building a list of links to, uh, to go in the episode so that uh, uh, the episode notes so that people will know where to find you. Excellent. So. And I have one other, um, short story coming out in February in mm -hmm. a, a really cool looking anthology called The People's Future of the United States that has a crazy table of contents that includes uh, my brother, among many other oh, luminaries. Cool. So it's actually like a double older event. <laughs> awesome. And and I will I will admit I, I haven't read any of, of his stuff yet. Um, it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's I, pretty I fun. keep getting it recommended. So it's it's on the list of... Uh, of uh, it's on the big pile. How's that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, and then you'll get to join the people who are like, "You're so different, but so similar." Uh, <laughs> About us, because we sort of we write in very different genres and styles, and yet we seem to have a lot of stuff in common. I was gonna say, my my sister and my cousin and I all have a uh, have a running game of, "Oh wait, you do that too," so <laughs> it's not that surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Um, thank you so much. Thank you. And this was really nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking with you. And uh, for the people at home, we'll be right back. I want to give my heartfelt thanks to Malka for appearing on the show this week and for taking the time out to talk with us and talk through her stuff for you guys. I think it's it's good stuff. So here at Productivity Alchemy, we issue a thing called Open Badges. These adhere to a, a fairly standard uh, set of rules that it's basically a image with some metadata and that data talks about where you earned the badge. And there are a couple different places you can export them to um, and show off basically that you listen to the podcast. Um, a lot of educational institutions use them. I think uh, the Fedora Linux project uses them for some of their milestones. They're all over the place. 
So this week's code for this week's badge is Sentinel Cycle, C-E-N-T-E-N-A-L-C-Y-C-L-E, all one word, uh, in honor of the publishing of State Tectonics, the last book in that trilogy, which was phenomenal. And like Malchus said, uh, at least at the time of broadcast, uh, September 2018, um, you can get the first book, Infomocracy, uh, for under three bucks on Amazon uh, through their Kindle store, and I highly recommend it. That is it for this week. I am going to go back to, I guess, my relaxing before I get into the big, you know, starting the actual job hunt next week, and we'll talk more about... Uh, some of the strategies I'm using, how I'm keeping all track of all of that and, uh, and things like that. I mean, it's been a big hit to my, what I would consider my professional productivity, but I'm getting a lot of other stuff done. So, you know, that's the way it works. Um, thank you all for listening. Remember, you can support us at patreon.com slash Ursula V. That supports all three podcasts produced here at Red Wombat Studio, uh, Productivity Alchemy, uh, The Hidden Almanac, which is our short fiction podcast, and Kevin and Ursula Eat Cheap, the Certainly Not for Children, Not Safe for Work podcast where we eat bad food and tell you about it, um, often prepackaged. We also have a coffee for me because I basically live off coffee and that helps fuel me and uh, keep the podcast flowing. So that's at uh, ko-fi.com slash K-S-O-N-N-E-Y. That's my coffee page. And if you can't support us financially, that's fine. Uh, share it with friends. If you enjoy it, write in. We're going to have a letter show in about two weeks. Um, second week of the month is typically our letter show, and I'm looking forward to doing that and answering your questions. You can write me at kevin at sunny.com. You can comment on this episode at productivityalchemy.com, and you can also find all of our back episodes there as well. And uh, I've got some interesting questions from people that we'll talk about uh, when we roll up to the letter show, and hopefully everyone will be over this throat thing that seems to be working its way through the house. Um, and uh, that, I think, is it, folks. So have a good week and stay productive. <laughs>